0: But it turns out that an MLS team is also something you can buy in a thrift shop, it's That's So MLS! Alright, that's good. That's good. I'll
1: give you that one.
0: That was good. <laughs> a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Nick, how are you?
1: I am great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Um, it's been a, uh, a lovely week of games, so that's been good. We seem, It seems like we're getting more... It seems like the news is flowing hot and heavy uh, around MLS
1: all the yeah, d- time. So there's a lot, despite, of, a lot
0: of interesting things in, in the midweek.
1: Despite the uh, secondary transfer window closing and not a ton of transfer news left to talk about, certainly things have been busy around the league. Got some firings, got some Nazis, it's all there.
0: How have, uh, You did not go down to Portland, as some did. No. I, did appreciate, I do appreciate from all the Vancouver supporters that go down seeing all the social media um, updates. Especially those who stuck around the next day for the Thorns game. That's fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I was sort of following. I actually think I saw more of the updates from uh, folks who traveled for the away game than I saw of the actual game until today.
0: It was, uh, I kind of had to see to catch the, the Portly game the next day because it was St. John Pride. But I especially love that the time zones are so um, confusing here that uh, it actually showed up in my phone as a Sunday game because it starts. It, uh... it started. It started at twelve p.m. twelve a.m. local. Hmm. Um. But uh, but it's it's it it looks like it was an, it looks like it was an interesting trip. It certainly was an interesting trip uh, for some people because I got, I came back I. Came back to find that there was a white cap story in the system that I didn't pull uh, at work, which was um, the uh, the uh, the fact that at least one supporter, Paul Sober and Herzog, um, had his uh, had his flag confiscated mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: due to essentially the we've we've talked a little bit about this last week, but the the continuing uh, the continuing saga is that. Seattle supporters wanted to fly a Iron Front banner, which is an anti-fascist organization from the 20th century, or was it a logo representing sort of an anti-fascist movement? Um, and they were told it was political. So now Portland and almost every other league supporter, I've seen so many different versions of team logos uh, remade into the Iron Front logo of, of three uh left-facing arrows in a circle
1: yeah i mean which we'll get into this uh a little bit more in depth but just as a historian i want to chime in here for a second which is like if if you don't know the history behind something but you're just gonna say that it's political um just shut the fuck up like do your research (laughs) No, no i'm saying that as a historian Yes. Um, historically speaking, like, know what you're talking about. Like, know what it is you're banning. Because I feel like, to be well, that's political. I'm like, sure. Um, technically, yes. However, like, just now somehow conflating anti-fascism with different ideas, other than just literally being against fascism. Yes. Um, which, I mean for folks that don't remember there was a great big world war about uh you know maybe do some research before applying these uh, rules that seem to also be made up in the moment and then um some some bad bad things happening down in atlanta as a result as well and it sounds like right. and as you said this sort of ongoing saga of supporters having stuff confiscated or being told they can't Fly it at a game because it's political. However, um, somehow being just openly being a Nazi or a white supremacist at a game is is peachy keen with the league and a few clubs.
0: Here's the here's the the the, the timeline of events on that because you you talked about you know the way they chose to apply it was the issue with Seattle, which we talked about last week. Them mm-hmm. apologizing for sort of improperly lumping them in with other groups in terms of Antifa as a group, which of course it's not, um, and. The uh, so on Saturday, essentially, supporters groups in Portland had stencils where you could bring in your own stuff and they would have stencils, and you would be able to paint the stencil on your own flag, yeah. Um, and, and it was such a flag that um, supporting Herzog had removed from him, um, uh, although his jersey, which also had the same logo on it, was not removed from him. Uh, we however, we learned the next day um, that a lot of different stuff was being seized in Atlanta off supporters, including uh similar stenciled flags, um other stuff that had the uh the iron front logos on it, um a end gun violence banner, which is hilarious to me because this this is this is the thing and I think the the actor critique. People were making after the Alejandro Bedoya thing where it's like they don't actually support MLS is not actually supporting the thing. They just know that it's not unpopular. So they're not going to do anything about it. Uh, and and here you now have a club straight up just just, you know, seizing a banner saying end gun violence. Um, and you also are having and, and I think that this was also true. I think I also heard about this in the. In the case of Seattle as well, fans being given stadium bans for this, although Atlanta maintains that they were being they were giving the stadium ban because of the reaction of the fans not following the directions of of stadium officials Um, and and, in being told. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sorry, go for it.
1: Well, I mean, and I, I want to, you know, try to be somewhat objective here. I'm very openly and happily anti-fascist, but um, there's been a number of videos circulating from Atlanta United fans where they're showing confrontation with stadium staff, but it's like people intervening because people are being violently thrown about by security and people who are just like, hey, like, this, like, this is really, like, stop shoving this woman around. And then that person getting violently dragged out of the stadium and then receiving bans and being told they need to take a $250 course from uh, a person who apparently also doesn't have any uh, up-to-date accreditation as a doctor or as a psychiatrist. And it's just like, there's so many levels of weird stuff here. And it's, it's just so obvious that clubs are completely unprepared for this. Um, we know that stadium staff, like, we're not dealing with a, a group of people who are really able to discern the complexities of this kind of stuff and um, are just applying poorly thought-out policy poorly and leagues and team, the league and teams are standing behind it rather than just owning the fact that they're wrong. I'll let you say your thing before I... I'm, I'll, the, I'll take a step down from the soapbox for a minute.
0: The classes, the 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 behavior modification classes are so fucking uh, <laughs> of, like like offensive I to me. They upset they're, they're me actually, so much.
1: They're they're with actually. I think there was Caesar Milan, um, and he sort of have to <laughs> really like <you> know, <laughs> the dog whisperer. Stay commands. Yeah, oh my god, the
0: dog whisperer. It's just, because... it's
1: just such bullshit. Like, on, on just... It's so transparently total hogwash that it's so hard to take seriously. And especially, too, that we're like, really? The, the Like, supporters who don't agree that Nazis should be given airtime in professional sports, that's... This is the cross you're gonna... They're the hill you're gonna die on. Like, just...
0: yeah in 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 in, i think that we've seen this issue um like sort of seattle's when they apologize to it we've seen this issue building because there was some some issues with this in, in bc place last year in terms of people getting their stuff taken um the um but to to you know some of some of how seattle is handling it is they're saying oh well it's the league is requiring us to do this, it's the policy or whatever else, but then to, to force people to take a class to come back after you took their sign that said, Well, I this is hypothetical, but they're because I don't know who which which signs are getting which you know state or you know punishments in in, in but hypothetically, if one of the signs that say anti Nazi zone or end gun violence and they want to. They want to, like, you know, make you sit through a sensitivity training thing for that.
1: After you've been violently dragged out of a stadium by uh, Rent a Cop. Like,
0: that's so frustrating because we had had so. We had had the issue um, earlier this year of New York City FC supporters um, identifying people that were doing, that were displaying, like, Nazi and, and fascist. Uh, propaganda in salutes inside the stadium and being told, oh, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. yeah, Allegedly.
1: (laughs) Sure, yeah, allegedly.
0: Um, Um,
1: The thing that frustrates me about this the most is, I mean, quite apart from the rise of Nazism, um, is just how little the league understands, and, and clubs, it seems, understand their fan base, that... Uh, it really, it it's totally insulting, and it's just sort of baffling how little they understand that their support and the thing that has grown the league is a community-based, progressive group of people, for the most part. And when you look at the solidarity that's shown through supporter groups, um, including at, like, remember, we're talking about, the, uh, the first case we were talking about here is Portland-Vancouver. Um, that takes a lot of coordination and a lot of conversations across uh, enemy lines to make to pull something like this off and i mean of course uh, you and i know that um, the clubs are very capable then supporters are capable of doing that and ultimately see that as bigger than a cascadia rivalry which is great mm-hmm. but the fact that teams in the league just seem to genuinely have no idea and think that they're in any way going to come out of this with nothing but two big black eyes and have to turn away with the tail, their tail between their legs. Um, supporters groups just aren't going to stand for it, and they're the, they're the spine of the club, and especially in places like Portland and Atlanta, like, uh, you know, it's not a fight the clubs can win.
0: It is. It, it's to to talk about sort of the progressiveness of it because. Um, There's, you know, the, I'm trying to remember like quotes, but you'll, you will see as you, you know, you get into soccer, especially on the English side that people talk about soccer is like, like a, sometimes like a politics free zone, but that really like not a politics free zone, but it's like, you know, there are supporters and you may suggest, you may wonder if they have different politics from you, but they don't talk about it. So you don't, you don't ask and that's fine because this is beyond what, who you vote for. Right, what a league! Like the reason why I've always loved things like, um, not just pride displays in stadiums, but but pride flags at every game, is because, like, mm-hmm, the the old quote. I'm trying to remember the quote about you know casting off the the shackles of the working world and, and joining your 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 fellow human in the in the soccer stands. But it's like, what a league for the when the league says when Garber says this is a league for new America, Mm -hmm. what they mean is there are people who do not feel safe in the broader community all the time, but in the stands, they feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that goes beyond who you vote for. That goes beyond like party allegiance. It is. I want to feel when I go to this game that I can express myself and I can be myself without being without having somebody threatening violence on me, as people in Sporty Kansas City, there was there was some some pushback against the Iron Front stuff from, from other people. That is what is violent, and that's what has to stop.
1: Yeah, and that, like, it's... We're talking about Nazis. Like, it just... <laughs> it's, we can slice it so many different ways, and, of course, there's really important pieces to this story, and we want to be accurate, and we want to be nuanced, but it just... It's it is a little bit disheartening to to be like whoa 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 okay wait what's the what are we what's what 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 are the banners about what are we arguing against literal Nazis, like the actual organized rise of fascism <laughs> in America. Okay, yeah. you're right. It's political. Um, the best part too. Somebody on Twitter said it, and I I meant to grab their Twitter handle so I could give credit, but. Um, they were imagine like the this is going on the week that MLS rolls out their um, military fatigue jerseys and you're like oh okay so having anti fascist slogans is po- is political is political but somehow having military uniforms on the backs of players isn't okay all right
0: I hope that um that the teams figure it out and and for- unfortunately. This is going to take leadership from the league. And mm-hmm. the most leadership that the league has shown in this was not doing, was, was taking inaction against Alejandro Bedoya, which was great. Great to see that. Yeah. But it also wasn't doing anything. It wasn't, and this is, this is and I said this last week, I said it again. This, it's not standing by this statement that you've made about who like, who this league is for. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's saying it and then refusing to do anything to, to back it up or, or to acknowledge the spaces. And this is, this is why independent supporters groups, God bless them, are so important is just because like, like they are the ones that have created this wonderful space where people want to, 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 to fight for themselves and their own representation. And in the football teams and stadiums are, uh, like, adjacent to that. <laughs> They're also there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's where I go, like, um, I'm, I'm doing this a little tongue-in-cheek, but I remember uh, a very prominent line that stands out in Che Guevara's Guerrilla Warfare book is, uh, fight the battle that can be won. And that's why I said, like, this is not a fight MLS can win, or the clubs, like... <laughs> Supporters can and will not just pull support, but like they will be a thorn in your side and force you to change. Uh, these Which are ultras for the better, we're talking about, for the like better. exactly. Um, so I guess I mean it's very clear where we stand on this, but I do want to just say <laughs> like, thank you to the supporters groups that are doing this, that are doing it across uh, club lines. I expect nothing less. I'm not surprised, but I am very pleased. And uh, of course, we have your backs as uh, as much as you have ours. It was great to see the MLS Players Union uh, yeah. put out a very strong statement today or yesterday or late yesterday, I believe, to say, uh, you know, 100% we need to, to be on the right side here. And that was really good to see as well that um, the union supporting players was able to not mince their words. So it can be done.
0: <laughs> it, I've been thinking a lot, I mean between this is this is the the newest thing in in something that I've been thinking of uh, a lot about this season which is like what makes a club and and what makes soccer, right? The relationship between the relationship between the fans, the clubs, the leagues and the players. It's all being separate yeah. groups. And, and 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 I found this I found this very, very heartening in a good way to have to have players say we support what the fans are doing when it's when so often it's the fans that are offering their support in the other direction. But it's just such a strange it's an interesting thing to think about in the same way that it was interesting for fans in in, in Vancouver's situation earlier this year to say, we support our former players because we're the fans and they're the players and we support them. And having that relationship, having that relationship exist um, separate from the club or the league Yeah, is something very special and very fascinating to me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The the bonds that are formed, um, the relationships that are formed between players and uh, a fans is is it is really special and uh, i don't think it's something that's who maybe they always fully understand or we understand but mm-hmm. it's just i agree it, it makes me in a in a season where as a local s- soccer fan i have not had much to be positive about <laughs> this made me like this picked me up and wanted me and got me to re-engage and pay attention and want to watch soccer and be proud to be a soccer fan in North America because this is these are the community standards this is what you see the values of communities that come out and support these clubs and when we we band together and I use we loosely because I'm not particularly involved with the um, supporter culture but you know as fans of the game and the supporters that come out and do these these massive displays it does make a difference and it does matter and it, it makes me proud of um it would be very easy to, to set the bar much lower for a group of sports fans. And mm. this is where I go, MLS clearly just doesn't get who their <laughs> supporters are. Because I'm like, it's... These are people who care about sports a lot, yes. And, and they care about their communities, they care about their causes, they are well-informed, and they're organized. So... Good luck Oops. to you, Don
0: let's talk about an instance of a team doing the right thing um and, mm-hmm. and that was another big news piece of news i think that um for people like us who who've always noted the uh the the wild temper of mike Petke, um we the situation got a lot worse especially cuz we weren't watching the nation's league or we weren't watching the we weren't watching the the league's cup because who would, um, <laughs> but uh, but like this situation got a lot more serious than, than we understood. And in, in, we had told you last week that um, Mike Pecky had been uh suspended for uh, by the league for uh, for using a um, a homophobic slur in, in Spanish yeah. to towards the officials. Um, we found out on the last day of his club-based suspension, he was suspended three days from the, games from the league in two weeks um, by the team itself, which I guess if, you, if you're if you a manager you get suspended, you can spend the week with your team. You just can't be there. You can't be on the sideline for the game. Mm-hmm. But RSL had sus- followed up the game suspension with a, a suspension from all activity. And on the last day of that suspension, they announced that due to additional conversations that they had had, um, they were going to fire Mike Petkey. And indeed they have done that and have replaced him with the, um, the head of the Monarchs, which is the USL side. Mm-hmm. What is your take on this decision?
1: Um, so I was sort of pontificating this morning on, on Twitter about it a little bit. Um, and it's absolutely the right call. Um it's I genuinely understand that there's a relationship between player and coach where it's difficult to see things like this happen and I understand when a player is like, I know this person, I know that they're they're not how they're being represented in the media, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like how Mike Petkey's being re- represented is not as a deeply homophobic person, no. but as somebody who exhibits a clear pattern of absolutely no control over what he says and does and a clear pattern of disrespect to match officials that crosses lines. And which, Which I kind
0: of feel bad about because I've always laughed. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think we've both kind of... Had moments where we're like, ah, oh, well, this certainly casts how we've treated Mike Petke in the past in a different light. But at the same time, I don't like it. It doesn't. It doesn't because again, the I feel like the place most people are coming out to with Mike Petke is not again, he's a terrible person um, who's deeply homophobic. It's he crossed a line. This is the and it was interesting because he sort of released a statement today um where his sort of main qualm he had two main sort of pieces he, he was he didn't like one was that um he is not that kind of person how he's being represented and two that he upheld his end of the bargain from his suspension that the club had said well like you'll serve these suspensions and then you'll come back. But I was like, you dope. Neither of these is the issue here. (laughs) Like the issue is not, he's like, well, I agreed to everything in this, this suspension. It's like keyword here, this suspension of many that have occurred of the many times you've had to be removed from your job because you can't be an adult and act professionally. Um, yeah, it was one time too many. And I'm sure if they were able to fire him this time, it means that there's a clause in the contract about professional behavior, representing the club, et cetera, et cetera. They probably could have fired him a lot earlier. So I'd say, like, he had a good run. He definitely uh, played very fast and loose with his interpretation of uh, what the boundaries were for how you respond to things. And... Especially, I mean, even just watching the video without any audio, uh, the, the, you know, going across the pitch and, and tearing into officials like that, and then receiving a red car and red card and doubling down on it. I would say, like, even regardless of what comes out of your mouth, it's just so far and away over the line. Um, and there's a, rep- there's a pattern of behavior here. And I don't blame RSL for just wanting to rid themselves of it. Um, Mike Petke's obviously a coach that we've admired for his ability to coach a team. And we've had some fun with some interesting press conferences that he's held. But this is a guy that clearly has zero self-control. And um, it's, of course, the right call to to remove him of duties and focus on soccer.
0: I think that it's important... In terms of you know when they say when RSL says that they represent certain things they that they take that seriously, um, the the in terms of upholding the end of the bargain what what essentially RSL said in their initial statement was, um, I think that it all got worse the longer this went. As I said, because at first when he was suspended, not a lot of people knew what had happened or or were only speculating about what. Um, Mm. about what he had said. And you know, I had i w I didn't have a strong sourcing uh I didn't have strong sourcing last week. Yeah. Uh but then an article came out in the Athletic from Stan Setchical who said, uh, you know, according you know, he he walks up to the officials. The red card is actually for approaching the officials in the manner that he did. Yeah. The referees no no time for that. And that's why they say they 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 sent him off. Um, so he starts screaming at them, including uh, including this this slur. Which according to the article, uh, he continued to speak to them for nearly 20 seconds after he was ejected, including the slur, which is the video that you say you could see on on video them saying this. According to sources, Pecky continued to use the slur to berate the referees as they walked through the tunnel and into their dressing room. He later wrote the slur on a piece of paper and had it delivered to the dressing room, though whether he delivered it himself or through someone else wasn't clear to sources. So when he says... He, he didn't is, print it out? No, he, he wrote it <laughs> on a piece of paper. This is the thing. He says in his statement, um, much has already said about the Spanish word I use and the different interpretations of it. Regardless of how my actions have been misinterpreted or twisted... I have always respected the rights of, the, rights of the, all individuals and always will. That letter is not... It wasn't a love letter that you sent to the referee's office, Mike. Mi amo. <laughs> Por favor. Wasn't, it wasn't... I don't know how you could say misinterpreted or twisted. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's just... It's, it's also not the point. It's like... also not the point. Exactly. This is something that that regardless of
1: what your interpretation of the Spanish word is or how close to another still not great Spanish word is like I can totally see an instance where mistakenly that would come out of his mouth. I've used that term before and hadn't. And then it was like, oh, okay, I did not know what I was saying. I still think that's a pretty weak argument, and it's still not the point of why he got fired. Yes. Like, and I'm sort of like, who are these people that are twisting it? Every single story I've seen is just like, it's clear that this is about behavior. It's not about using a single word and to try to be like, wow, you know, the PC police are out after me. Like, literally no one is like, oh, he was fired for using a word.
0: After so, this is this is where I think it is the right move, and in, in, in how I tie it into everything else that we were talking about, and in in, in in everything, the line from the in, this is the the preemptive. This is this is where he says, "I lived up my end of the bargain by serving my suspension." Well,
1: you're not supposed to get suspended.
0: <laughs> don't get suspended, but also don't get the line us- here's what here's how the decision changed according to RSL. Quote, <laughs> well, after further deliberations and a series of constructive dis- discussions internally and with various members of our community, we have concluded, pursuant to his employment agreement, to immediately terminate Mike Pecky's employment. And to me, what that reads as, once once people found out what he did, it, the the backlash got a lot worse. Yeah. And, and I think that it's great that the club continued to speak, and I don't... It, it, Various members of our community is left intentionally vague, but if it is communities parts, if it is the communities that are directly affected by this, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately you can't, you know, um, you know, David Rudin said on Twitter, I'm looking for, I'm looking for the part of this Pecky's tweet that has an apology in it. Yeah. Which is kind of like a citation of a past apology. Like you will find if you if you consider exhibit A that I filed with the county courthouse <laughs> that I have in the past apologized. It's like yeah. that that renders an apology null and void. Yeah. To be yeah. like, excuse me, I apologize already. Super weak.
1: Uh yeah, it's one of those where like uh goodbye Mike and thanks for all the memories and also don't let the door hit you on the way out. Bye bye.
0: It is really frustrating um there were also games this week yeah do you want to talk about <laughs> soccer games let's talk about some if soccer only
1: games. if only we could talk more about soccer instead of fascism and uh low-key f- homophobia but and like behavioral issues well we made it this far let's talk about some soccer where do, we, where do you want to begin here
0: uh let's talk about, let's talk Seattle uh New England oh good yay This game was
1: bonkers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that there were a lot of bonkers games this week, which I really appreciated.
1: I do, too. Uh, Outside of the off-field bonkers nest, there were some bonkers on-field things. Um, So in the second minute. (laughs) Seattle very aggrieved that they got nothing out of this one. Um, But just some incredibly sloppy play from both teams. A 3-3 result would seem to indicate that something happened. Um, but I just, what, what happened here? <laughs> For you, how do you explain this one to people who missed it
0: or okay, to people so who saw it? I think that, that, that New England pushed hard, right? We, we saw, mm, we saw Seattle execute the game plan that they, that they can do at home and, and, and they can do very well. And they went up, um, they went up uh, in the second minute after uh, Jordan Morris pushed to the goal line and and was able his cross was able to find Harry Ship, um, and and they or he his cross comes through and it looks like it's gonna get to Ruiz Diaz but he can't get it but it almost acts a dummy yeah to, to come out to ship so I had here New England push hard in slightly nefarious ways. But they got the re- the well-deserved road point. I, I think that it's kind of it kind of is like a uh, an action reaction sort of game where um, Seattle did their thing and, and New England tried to start doing what they think is their thing uh, in the middle of it and, 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 and execute their own road game plan. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they 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 tried to push really they they tried to do I guess their push and it's almost like the two different styles of attack didn't interact with each other. It's like it's mm-hmm. like they they both were able to execute their game plans uh simultaneously.
1: Yeah, I mean and there's like definitely some strange things going on with like uh you know, it, there's a case of New England scoring a goal where they're just kicking it out of Stephen Fry or Stephen Fry's hands, um, and yeah, there's just some interesting plays here and some real aggressiveness from New England. But so I'm... that
0: first that first corner that they that first goal they score is the one where it looks like a Sounders guy gets pushed over mm-hmm. while it's happening. Uh, the second goal is a real goal, and then the third, the one that would have been the three-one goal is the one that you describe where um where the the ball is is scrambling in front of him and he gets his hands on it and they literally do kick it out of his hands. Yeah. You can't do that. No,
1: it's not advised generally.
0: That's at the end of the first that's the, at the end of the first half. So so Seattle scores early and New England comes up with so, this incredible j- Just to be clear, at the end pressure. of the,
1: at the end of the first half, we have two disallowed New England
0: goals. <laughs> one disallowed New England goal. The first one stood.
1: Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right.
0: So it's two one. It's two one. New England at that point. Um, the uh, the in the second half they it it uh, it comes free again to on the sixty fifth minute to Harry Ship, uh, and then one minute later uh, they get another uh, they get another shot through deflected and now it's now it's it's three two which I think is. An, like, you know, an honest accounting of, of how things were going in the game. Um, there's a penalty from New England in the 85th minute. I think it's a handball. I think it's a a, a pretty solid handball call. Yeah, yeah, that um, one's hard to call. Not. But it's, you're right about it being, it just being sloppy, right? The, well, there's... and I know
1: like Matt Turner has had some great games and some really not great games, but this one for me is just, some of the softest goalkeeping I've seen. There was was one goal where it sort of slipped through his fingers, Where at first I was like, oh, buddy, you can't do that. And then upon the replay, you see it kind of takes a little deflection. He's going the wrong way, so he's actually fortunate to even get back and get a finger on the ball. But Mm -hmm. this, for me, was just uh, a lot of New England's undoing here. They probably should have come away with three points. I think New England probably had the the better chances and and showed uh, an ability to be more adaptive than Seattle is. And it was just a lot of poor goalkeeping that um, I think took them out of it. But certainly New England, I think, will be happy with a point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Toronto Orlando played to a pretty normal 1-1 draw. Um, Nothing. There was one play in the highlights package that represented the first half. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, Greg Vaney thinks that Richard Larea is pulled down on the 52nd minute but he doesn't get the call. Uh, jump bumps off the go- uh, goal post. Then you have Orlando substitute Benji Michel comes on and scores off the break and he's found wide. But later on Michelle now fouls Larea who earlier did get that non-call and gets sho- shoves him over while he's running. But they look at Var, and to be honest, it's fair and true. The shove happens outside the area, and he falls over inside of it. Um, but I think I'm trying to remember if I'm trying to to remember if that resulted in a card or not. Um, but Toronto scores off the direct pick, direct free kick, anyways, or the indirect free kick because he lays off to Bradley, who's shot who shot pings off some ankles to Mullins, who buries it. Um, sure, using sure using Bradley a lot for long shots for a guy that doesn't really seem to have a lot of power or a- accuracy these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to get a um, Michael
1: Bradley shot in there, didn't we?
0: Yeah, just a just a very you know nothing like whether or not you think that they, that Toronto was hard done by on on either of those calls. Um, they didn't have there was not a lot of else in the game for them.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was a particularly good performance from either team, and that's where I'm I'm okay with the results. Um, it's you know any game where we're, you're having to slice and dice and dissect VAR decisions, I think tells you all you really need to know. Um, and the fact the result is a, a point for each, I think,
0: is fair. A spicier draw was Columbus Cincinnati the the so called the the no not so called I'm I'm okay with calling it the hell is real derby. Yeah, um, uh, as related to the fact that there is, I guess, a sign that's reasonably close to the border between the two cities, that's like a weird evangelical evangelical uh, preacher sign that says hell is real. So ah, they both well, okay. are 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 bonded together by this sign, I guess. Um, and the first and the 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 first goal in this derby game is on sixty minutes when Darren Maddox jumps up and uh, and gets the header.
1: The clinical laser precision of Darren Maddox.
0: Ledesma's cross slides all the way through um, to get to put uh, Cincinnati up 2-2. Uh, but Cincinnati then uh, has a defender foul, Jussie Sardes, by shoving him in while he's in the air, um, which the commentators say is pretty light, but I guess there's no... I guess light does the job when you need to knock somebody off course, so I don't know that you can... We do. I know that sometimes I'm judgy on, on whether or not a, a, a foul looks light. Yeah. But this looks okay.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. I did go head to head with someone who oh, looks kind of light. <laughs> I, I was, somebody was upset on Twitter this morning, and I was just having coffee and being a little troll and. <laughs> seeing Barco get fouled and people are like, it's gotta be a foul and I'm like, I mean, he's he jumps into a player and gets, and like a player sweeps his foot out while he's jumping and he falls down like it looks bad, but it's like why, you're jumping um, and a player takes out your foot this one for me is uh, yeah, it's it looks a little soft but I mean, it, yeah
0: Uh, Columbus equalizes with, uh, an amazing shot from outside of the box from Pedro Santos. um, just really, really beautiful. One of the, one of the best goals of the week. Um, and then there's this sequence and I'm watching it through, through highlights. So, so you know that it's going to seem a little compressed, but, um, Zardes on ninety ninety 90 minutes has the ball at his feet. From a, a you know on the break, and he puts it not into just rose Ed, but rose Ed Z. rose <laughs> Ed Z, 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 Z. very 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 high up, and then moments later, David Akam hits the frame, and I just read in my notes, it's not happening today, boys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just for it, Zardes gets two more sterling silver headers that are saved by Teton, uh, the goalkeeper, and 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 that's uh, to me the story of this is that there was a, a lot of the spicy that happened there and and Columbus had so much pressure and firepower at the end but for some reason it just wasn't falling for them i don't yeah. even necessarily like credit zardes misses side i don't really necessarily like say that they didn't take their chances because they you know they scored two goals well they scored a goal from play, and and yeah. they 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 took, they hit all the balls that were falling to them. It's just that the keeper got in the way. <laughs> and 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 it just didn't seem, this seemed to be a middle chapter in this story between the two teams.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing to me out of this is that the real story here is that, I mean, I believe Titan arrived at the beginning of the season, did he not? And I think he was fit as well. And it was just a case of Spencer Ritchie having some better performances and getting the the starting spot. But to think that uh, this guy has been sitting on the bench ready to go for so long and now all of a sudden comes in, and sometimes this is just the way you need things to shake out. But it certainly bodes well for Cincinnati at this point in the season trying to just... Obviously, the playoffs aren't really uh, a realistic... Goal for them, but to try to find a bit of identity and have some fight, mm-hmm. uh, you need a goalkeeper like this who can come up big and prevented this from being a four or five two finish.
0: Um, another wild game. Uh, in in uh, was Dallas five Minnesota three. Mm. Just a lot happening here. <laughs> I think that the biggest, the 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 hardest thing. Here is that Vito Manone has been so great, but even a great goalkeeper can have a bad day. And I think it's hard not to say that this was a bad day for him. Mm -hmm. Um, Ethan Finley scores the first goal after, you know, he, uh, a goalkeeper hits a punch out, but it's not cleared. Um, And uh, they get a second on the third chance of a sequence, which included two goal line clearances. Yeah. Oh wait, no, that's that's still the first goal. I had that in my notes. Okay, so the, that's that um but Dal Dallas then sort of like evens up after the ball is recovered and he plays it in Ryan's Holland's head. Uh and just the next the next goal from Dallas is is Mascara um shooting from thirty years and, and he can't thirty,
1: 30 years. yards. Wow. Thirty
0: years. <laughs> Manone from he, he tests Manone from thirty yards. It's one of those it's when you look at it in a replay, he's a lot a little bit closer than it seemed in the run of play. Mm-hmm. But he um but it is a very speculative shot that the goalkeeper had tracked the whole time, but he just wasn't able to get his hands to it. Mm-hmm. Um and it hits the post and it, it goes in. Um and there the there was just a very busy first half in this game. Because- <laughs>
1: That's a way of putting it, yeah.
0: Yeah, you 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 look at that. So that's what three or two or three goals in, and that was the. Uh, we're on the thirty-second minute. Two more goals: one for Minnesota, and one for Dallas. They're scored by halftime, um, and but by the end of things, they just they just can't score enough to make up for Minnesota can't score enough to make up for Dallas. Yeah. um who's great has lots of um lots of movement and and just is able to utilize the talents of of so many of their players to to have well you have you have two from Brandon Sarvania but um goals from a lot of different players and uh it, three of them assisted by Paxton Pomakal which is he had such a great game even though he himself did not get onto the score sheet
1: yeah and i mean Minnesota still seems to really struggle with teams that move the ball a lot and um, also break so well as we know Dallas can do. And Dallas is very comfortable switching play um, and just sort of flooding people on the overlap. And Minnesota, I mean, I'm impressed that they they hung in here. It was uh, definitely a sloppy one from Dallas at their end. That, for me, is what they've been missing this whole season. Is just a, a, a little bit more of a consistent, rock-steady presence at the back. They've still... Um, by last check, I still don't think they've conceded all that many goals. So it's surprising that they've conceded so many um, in this match. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if you can score five goals, I feel like... I mean, you've got to find a way to win that one.
0: Um. Yeah. The... Uh, the next game was was Sporting Kansas City RSL, um, which I guess is the was would have been the last game of um, of Mike Pecky's suspension. Um, you have a pretty uh, you have a really pretty first goal for Sporting Kansas City. Yeah, uh, in off of a free kick by Johnny Russell. I loved Eric Hurtado realizing what's happening and ducking to get out of uh, to get out of harm's way. Yeah. Uh, too quickly, um, but even though they got the first one, um, you 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 see a lot of I think lack of action from Sporting Kansas City's defense, especially on the first goal that RSL scores, which is a free kick that comes off the post, and the SKC backline is not really happening. Um, SKC do uh, get a penalty. After, um, uh, after a, a RSL's number four hauls down somebody in the box, um, that would be Donny Toya, um, but Felipe Gutierrez <laughs> hits the bar so hard on the free kick, <laughs> that he's in midfield before anyone can notice. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, then you have RSL again. Um, Jefferson Savarino hits this long cross to Corey Baird for his second, and the defense was completely vulnerable to the switch. Yeah. It's like everything was pulled over to one side in, in the moment that they try to go across. It's like they don't have any coverage on Baird, and, and they weren't able to push people in that direction.
1: Yeah, and I mean – I guess at some point we, you know, with a little bit more um, done in the season, we can sort of evaluate Peter Vermees through this. But I've just been, you know, earlier we had uh, there was just so many injuries in this club. It made a little bit more sense. But if players, c- how, as players have come back, it really is a bit of a head scratcher how they continue to just struggle so much. Because um, this one still felt like RSL had their number, and he's as you said just defensively very flat. Uh, unaware a lot of slumped shoulders and just nobody tracking the right player i mean baird has so much time and space to to do what he needs to do um this for me was kind of what we've come to associate with sporting kansas city at a lot of points this season which is just um not the same fight from the same players that we're used to no
0: um uh, a player that I thought has been doing quite well uh, is that they did quite well in the game. Is um, in their game is Colorado goalkeeper Clint Irwin, mm. who uh, was between the pipes for Colorado's two-one win against um, San Jose. Chris Wondolowski hits the post, um, and then the keeper and then Irwin realized that it's happening, just falls on it, and then uh, a second player, not Wando, hits the post again. With another, uh, and Irwin saves the rebound. Um, the at the other end, Acosta shoots on the run, and in San Jose's Vega could get a glove on it, but uh, bobbles it for the goal on forty-fourth minute. Um, in the second half, now the teams have switched hands, and Kamara hits that exact same post with a header. Now, yeah. <laughs> now they're shooting on the same goal. Um, and, but uh. Colorado uh, San Jose finally are able to get a goal in when Vako has a, a very dangerous shot and it feels like it feels like a, a a Colorado defender fell and then everybody kind of stopped moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of things, uh, Rubio is found at the top of the box and he makes it count.
1: Mm-hmm. And and this is where things get really interesting in the Western Conference with a team like Colorado that. Um, is just so wildly unpredictable. But if we're going to talk about fight, is a team that just keeps finding ways to win games. And one of the few teams that was able to stop a red-hot San Jose and really frustrate them and confound them is uh, a Colorado that just seem, seems to find ways to score goals. Not always win a game, but certainly ways to score goals.
0: I really enjoyed uh, Chicago-Montreal, which was this 3-2, uh, 3-2 goal thriller that, that featured um, a goal from Chicago in eight minutes. Uh, Chicago taking the... Uh, doubling the lead with a 2 on 2 break with Katai playing 3 to Nikolic. Um, Safir Tider is, is knocked over by the... Is, is felled by the goalkeeper while on the breakaway, and he scores his own penalty. Um... But uh, Chicago get another goal off of a set piece. The header is played cr- short and then crossed. Or yeah, uh, uh, my phone corrected this badly. Bakary Sanya gets a goal off of a, he- a set piece. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a a, a fun. Uh, it's always fun when his name pops onto the, sh- the score sheet. Um, but the eventual um, tying goal is scored by Bastian Schweinsteiger. Winning goal. We don't we the winning goal. We don't see his name on the score sheet that much either. He jumps up for a header off of a a, a corner, which we which I think I saw a lot of um, both in terms of, of corners and also free kicks this this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did he get up there? He's so tiny. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: it's it's actually his first goal of the season too, which I hadn't realized. Um, However, he's spent a good number of games as a center back, so maybe a little less surprising. And maybe something he's worked on in uh, some of his center back training is getting some of those headers on set plays. But it's a really good result for Chicago to, to grind something out again. Another week where we have to say, who is Montreal and what do they stand for? Because we just don't know what we're going to get with them. Um, but Chicago really needed a win because they've just been so inconsistent. And it was good to see Nikolic on the score sheet again as well. Um, you know, they've still got some work to do, but they're, they're putting themselves in a good position now just three points off of uh, the playoff line.
0: Um, when it comes to the actual Portland-Vancouver game, I've heard a lot of people describe it as, as you know, obviously not the right result, but fun. Just because of, there was a lot of there was a lot of chances and there was a lot of chances from from Vancouver, who also uh, they saw the the young striker Theo Bear score hit the first goal of his career, um, even though he's been taking so many shots, um, his first one is a real belter.
1: <laughs> yeah, a very Eric Hasley affair. That goal, a, def-
0: a defensive header pops out to him, and he just. Hammers home the volley.
1: Yeah, it has a ton of work to, to judge it and get get the ball away, but it's just a hell of a goal. Um, unfortunately, that I mean, it drew, drew them level, and uh, the Whitecaps had a few more chances. But at a certain point, this one breaks open, and you really do just see the difference in quality between these sides. It was good that for, uh, I think, some some good spells in an away game against a a worthy opponent. Vancouver looked better. They looked more organized. They played some good soccer, some good building out of the back, but ultimately Portland is just far and away a better team from top to bottom. And you really see this on the last goal um, that a gets is Vancouver's just gets pulled apart. And, um hit a little bit too easily on the counter and there's just there's finishing there to back it up and that's something that the white caps just haven't had it feels kind of even more appropriate that theo bear gets this amazing goal we've had a couple of those moments and yet we come away with absolutely nothing that's to me kind of as good as it's going to get this season <laughs> is uh great for the youngster good to see a solid team performance however not what was needed, and if we jump ahead a little bit to DC United versus LA Galaxy, because we will be playing DC United on the weekend.
0: I was going Um, to say, just before we jump off of Vancouver, uh, um, apparently there's been issues getting the new uh, Honduran winger Michael Churnos on uh, his his visa situation together, but um, Mark Dos Santos is hoping he'll be around on Thursday. Right. The, other, the, the other on Twitter.
1: notable one from this is that Ali Adnan went out with an injury in the 27th minute, I believe. So he's maybe a question mark for this coming weekend against D.C. Uh, and D.C. Took a little... shot
0: right off the face.
1: He did, and it somehow ended up with a leg injury from that play. But uh, <laughs> that's what happens when you get so hit, hit so hard you stumble back. So I hope he's all right, because we're certainly going to need him. But... This DC versus LA Galaxy game, for me, lots of talk as usual, often coming from LA Galaxy around how much better they are than everyone else and how they're going to do certain things. Uh, we found out this week Wayne Rooney is leaving to England to be a player coach. Um, so he was not playing in this game, but didn't seem to matter because good old Paul Ariola was back in business.
0: and. Who needs Rooney when you have Paul Ariola? that's
1: what i always say um and you know la showed some fight here I, so, like just an incredible amount of shots from ibrahimovic but uh the line i was going to try to do at the beginning of the episode for our intro was that uh he just gets completely pantsed in midfield um and just sort of like throws his arms up like he's expecting some sort of foul and I'm like no you don't get to call a foul just because you're upset you weren't paying attention and got just <laughs> completely robbed of the ball um but this was it was good to see DC back doing what they do best which is just grinding things out to get a result um, and and fighting in a way that LA really seemed to struggle with. They did get a goal through Alvarez. Um, I don't think there was too much they could do. It was just an unfortunate ball that came back out, but DC looked pretty dominant in this one, Um, and I hope that they can just keep that consistency going, because they have at points looked so good, and then they just seem to have a game or two in a row that are just total ramshackle affairs, but this one for me is a, a real positive sign for them.
0: Just one second. Um, the yeah, I I definitely agree uh, with DC. It, it it was great to see that result, especially given that it was not. Uh, um, especially because there was no Rooney. You know, mm-hmm. MLS loves to have MLS loves to have these head to head affairs, but you know, Rooney wasn't available for. Um, the match in, in in Atlanta, and he wasn't able available here. I think they're worried about injury concerns. Um, sometimes with him. and uh, oh, he had a cold they're... for
1: this game. That's right, he had the sniffles.
0: Had the sniffles. Well, I think that um, they still did so good. Um, slick ball from Segura and Ariola's first goal. Mm. I think that I I am I am mad um, about that that play that you talk about. Whereas where Laton gets um, dispossessed because they actually did disallow it for offside. Oh, so right. And, That's right. So it comes up in the goal, the eventual goal. It's Frederick Briand who um, who dispossesses him and plays it forward. Uh, and Paul Ariola who shoots it. Um, and it's saved by Bingham, Bingham. And it falls to Rodriguez who, who scores it. And then it's called offside because when Areola in... in I could be grossly misunderstanding offside here. And please tell me if I am. But, Areola shoots this ball and it hits the keeper. At that time that he shoots the ball, I think it's hard not to say that at least Rodriguez, if not all three DC attackers, are offside. But, Mm -hmm. as far as I understand it, the keeper plays them on. Is this not... would Would you not say that that's correct? Like, like once... Once a defender mm. touches the ball, it's it's certainly they they got in. They were able to capitalize on it because they were offside before the keeper touched the ball. But it's a playoff, the defender. Right. It's a playoff, the defending team, sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I'm not going to pretend to know enough to really weigh in on it. Um, I think the thing, too, is what's really confusing people is the late flags going up. Yeah. So, but uh yeah, I would have to I'd have to go into the rule book to see it. But it's a great it's a a, bri- a brilliant play from Briant. That's my play of the week. Is just coming up behind sticking a leg through and just being like, yoink, I'll have that one, thank you very much." And just a really lovely double take from Ibrahimovic. He's is, is like, "What?"
0: <laughs> Eventually it is the same guy, Rodriguez, who scores the second goal. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Good work. Good work to to Lucas Rodriguez for scoring that. Um, Bingham had the, the the play that he scored that on was a was the third of a triple save was the third shot in a, a after a double save sequence by Bingham. Yeah, and that's always unfortunate when that happens. Sorry, David. Yeah. Um, but I really is even more than 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 that, which which was a part of a good performance. Um, you gotta give it to Bill Hamid. He just had an amazing goal. L.A. had um, – I guess he – amazing I guess game? He got, <laughs> uh, yeah, an amazing game. Um, he did not himself score. Uh, <laughs> there was um, the maybe not so many saves, but uh, necessarily they were directly from him. But um, there were – L.A. had 29 total shots with four on target. And I think I like, think
1: twenty-seven of them might twenty-seven of them might have been from Ibrahimovic, like actually. <laughs> the, There's one he, save he makes towards the end where it's just like he doesn't even know anything about it. It's just an arm comes flying out from a close-range rocket and he's able to stop it. But I agree. I want
0: you. Okay, I'm, let's let's play higher or lower. Uh, higher and lower with the number of goals I have it in front of me. The number of shots that Ibra took in this game. You say a number and I'll say higher or lower. Twenty-six. Lower. Twenty-three. Lower. Nineteen. Lower.
1: Really? The number yes. of shots in this game? Uh, no, not not
0: shots. Shots oh. by Zlatan. Just just Zlatan alone.
1: Right. Uh, twelve. Higher.
0: Fifteen. Exactly correct, Woo. which is still, shots. which I still think think is a, a crazy amount of shots. It is that's that's huge for one player in one game, who didn't score.
1: <laughs> I think it might. I think I might have read somewhere it was a record as well. For but, it also shows how effective he can be and why he scores so many goals most of the time is because it's not one or two chances he gets. He's he's always in the right position and and getting those. So I agree. The hats off go to Bilhamid. Uh-huh. Um, a, a game that I was particularly interested in that it's had a few un, uh, unexpected turns to it, kind of played out as I thought it might, which was LAFC versus New York Red Bulls.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: this one was also a little crazy. Um, Jordan Harvey kicks things off for us because it's good to Harvey all the time. In the 23rd minute, he gets a, a nice little heading headed goal. Latif Blessing follows up two minutes later with another one. And then, very simil- uh, in a very similar fashion, New York Red Bulls, before the break, gets one and then uh, gets an own goal off of Tyler Miller. So it's 2-2 heading into halftime. And I love your term about the chaos style of New York Red Bulls because this was in full effect in that first half, and I think they used it really well. LAFC just didn't seem to really quite know what to do when they're being countered against uh, by the Red Bulls. And I think sometimes get a little bit used to just not great balls coming into the box and certainly not having the finishers there to, to back up. And then the second half, we sort of see LAFC do what they do, which is come out with a game plan, execute it, things tighten up, And by the end of it, it's 4-2. And a pretty dominant performance from them. And great games as well from uh, Jordan Harvey and Stephen Bateshirt, the two former Whitecaps. But it just shows the value of uh, placing the right amount of salary in your back line. And LAFC is not the only team to do it. Obviously, it's a little easier for us to pick out because we're familiar with the two players, but... Two older players, but experienced that just do the right things. Um, I think Beta also had a clearance off the line as well. Mm. And you just see, again, the value of two really, really good experienced players. I thought Daniel Royer had a great game. I think the Red Bulls still have lots of fight in them and are going to have a, an interesting, maybe a little bit... Um, if they can tighten things up, could have a really good uh, postseason playoff run. But... Uh, is you still, who's better than LAFC right now? They're, they were always going to win this one, in my mind.
0: Um, where the, the, the momentary success that um, New York had, were, I think, came from the fact that, that very, they were able to prize open um, an approach from LAFC, which I think was a good one, which is to push them as far wide as possible. Mm-hmm. um and, and that's what happens when they go down to nothing and, and for most of the first half they are getting shut out so much but they're able after you know uh a couple uh, a couple further attempts to to get more um to get more going in the center and that's how they get their first goal um and but like you say uh other than some early possession that they get in the second half, la um, la can la figures out how to really close the door on them again, but for a couple of minutes,
1: for a couple the, of fleeting minutes, you're like, wow, they can do it. Not so
0: much the 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 goal, which I think actually is counted as a, um, which I think actually is counted as a Brian White goal and not own goal, but I love it. Um, mm. Is uh, Royer is played in deep to the line and cuts back for Brian White and it bounces off White onto the post and it hits Tyler Miller's back and goes in
1: yeah there's there's some goals you just can't do much about. Um, <laughs> I imagine there's two minutes of tape here that we're going to see a lot of teams are going to be watching in the coming weeks in terms of how to play against laFC. Um and it's that three or four minutes in which the Red Bulls are able to come back and level things.
0: The uh um the there was a disallowed goal, which I also was not where it was like uh Diamande and, and Mark Anthony K who had a pretty nice one two on 49th minutes that um that found K out in open space. Um but I guess the idea was it was disallowed because when K plays the ball off to Diamande, um, a defender is running in his same direction, like, crossover, and I guess trips. And I think the idea is, like, he trips him? But it seemed very incidental to me, and I just really feel like the defender put themselves in harm's way. Mm-hmm. Um, But I guess, you know, at the end of the day, the LA was still able to win. I also really enjoyed the the fact that LA got a penalty from a player, and I don't know if I've ever heard his name before. Um, uh, New York Red Bulls defender number ninety one, Reese Buckmaster.
1: Yeah.
0: Who, <laughs> who, who, who stumbled? The
1: Buckmaster three. I don't think.
0: I don't think it was like necessarily negative play. Like I don't think they he no, was no, no. trying to haul down at Atuesta. No. But he, but he just wasn't able to recover, and he pulled down the um, attacker role in the process.
1: Yeah. For me, it's, a, it's just a clumsy challenge and, and just shows inexperience rather than any malicious intent. And you can see sort of as soon as he hears the whistle, he knows um, and knows that this call is going to go against him.
0: Um, I also loved that there's a, there was a very prominent in the second half bring, N- bring NWSL to LA flag. Nice. What the fans were putting up so good work. Good work to y'all, um, and also the the big goal line clearance you mentioned from Tim Parker. Loved that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that ultimately they they were able to uh, slam the door shut, like we said.
1: Yeah, and and somewhat uns well not somewhat very unsurprisingly we able to slam the door shut.
0: In Atlanta, New York, the the first thing they say in the highlight package, and this came up in a couple commenters brought this up when we were dealing with handball stuff a lot this week is that apparently the handball rules that people are talking about in the, they, the, the came into effect just before the women's world cup are not a part of MLS probably mm-hmm. because they took place halfway through the season. Um, I think that that showcases how bad of an idea it was to make them in effect for the world cup because mm-hmm. nobody was ready for them. They were, they were so unready people, like, you know, it, it's, it's so unable to implement them on the fly that MLS, who loves implementing rule changes halfway through the season, yeah, wasn't able to do it. That means that, that I think everybody should have waited a minute, um, or at least, you know, if you're going to announce changes, announce the changes like six months in advance so that by the time that. You know the, the, we have, everybody has a chance to discuss it before it happens, or I don't know the best way to do it, but but it really seems the rollout has been very unfortunate. Um, you had a disallowed goal here uh, from Atlanta to start, but uh, Joseph Martinez scores his tenth goal in ten games to break a consecutive goals record. Um, Miles Robinson, it always sucks. And this is you're talking about the late flags. It's like this is a 22 year old rookie who thinks he scored his first MLS goal. Yeah, um, and they're like, oh well, we were just wanted to see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, and I it's like it's did, right yeah, as he finishes
1: seen. his celebration, he sort of looks over and sees it and it's like, no.
0: This was wow. a offensive of foul by him because he may have shoved his 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 attacker. Uh, or he might have shoved his defender. Um, so. Pity Martinez is doing a standalone run. In we were talking about and you know, I've done a lot of talking this year about penalties in and off the podcast because of these the issues with handball or whatever else. But when what in, in penalties being restarted. But I think one of the things that one of the best ideas, and I think it was uh, Ricardo, I think, who was saying this to me, uh Ricardo Bordelon, who's been a who who guested with us some weeks back, um the person who takes who receives the foul? I feel like should get the penalty yeah. because Joseph Martinez has been on this goal scoring tour, uh, tear, but it's pity who's going on a solo mission to the moon, uh,
1: yeah.
0: who gets fouled and then they give it. And he's been having so much. He's been having uh, some fair few issues, um, but it's Joseph who score who who gets to take the penalty.
1: Yeah, I mean th- it's interesting too because it, depending on who you ask, <laughs> Atlanta supporter or not, I saw somebody be like, we should have had three penalties in this game. And I was like, really? Only three? Um, it's a little bit of a weak penalty, but I'm okay with it. But I, I agree. I think if you're the one that wins it, you should be the one that gets to take it. But it's also pretty hard to argue at this point that Joseph Martinez is not the real deal. So,
0: Well, the other... Um... The, the other, only other note, Atlanta already had the game well in hand, but uh, New York got a little bit of hope late as Ebert just walks on to a, a, a pass that's being played to him by uh, Maxi Morales. Yeah. just just I don't know if he's running at 100 miles per hour before he gets to these things or what, but he just rocketed into the goal. But they weren't able to manufacture a second chance like that.
1: Yeah, it's it it's almost a toe punt. It's just such a like uh, unrefined <laughs> approach to mm-hmm. a ball. Um, but you know, Atlanta continues to to climb up, and well, you know, deservedly so. It's unfortunate that the things happened in the stadium that did, but uh, well done to the supporters for hanging through it and. Um, I did want to mention as well because we do like to poke a little bit of fun at good players here. Um, I shared this tweet with you that said Joseph Martinez showing that like the the kid that he walked out through the tunnel with who was like completely in tears over getting to meet him and he was tweeting like, you know, this is what made my day special despite breaking the record for goals scored consecutively in MLS. And I was like, do we have to start thinking Joseph Martinez as a soul now? I'm not ready for this. <laughs> um, but it was it was great for him. Um, he brings a lot to the league. And although it will be said many, many times, um, it, of course, raises the question. How long can we keep him?
0: It's interesting because it, this seemed to be, you know, up for debate last year. And it seemed like the the issue was settled. But, you know. Um, contracts sometimes end earlier than you think they might The other Atlanta person who got themselves in the news Was Frank DeBoer Who for some reason decided to start talking uh, Start talking about U.S. Women's National Team Equal Pay Oh,
1: God help us
0: <laughs> And it's like the, uh, uh, the The comment that I saw Again from Rudin Was was uh, sure the guy who the guy who didn't have a a, a winning percentage above thirty six percent in his last two teams is going to lecture us on merit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Fair, yeah. Um, the the remaining game on the schedule I think is uh, Philadelphia two on Houston. Uh, Shabilko gets the shot that does I do not think it dupes, but it uh, it's it it uh, squeezes its way through the goalkeeper's legs. Uh, for the first goal. Um, and Christian Ramirez, who uh, who made his way over to Houston uh, as a part of our, our big um, transfers, uh, our big list of transfers, gets to score on his debut.
1: And that one happened, I believe, after our, the, our last episode. That one came a little late, I think. Um, mm. And it's a sort of comment that I just kept thinking. It's like, imagine being so good Like, LAFC is so good. They just don't need Christian Ramirez. And even when they brought him (laughs) in from Minnesota, we were like, why? Like, don't you have enough toys? Well, it turns out they did. Shipped him to Houston where he made an immediate impact. DeMarcus Beasley, our favorite old guy player, doing all the hard work, running down the line. Great cross in. Not enough for Houston. Uh, pretty solid performance from Philadelphia, all told. And also, apparently, the last straw for Houston, who today has decided to part ways with their coach, Wilmer Cabrera. Uh, this is you...
0: a, this is an odd one for me.
1: Okay, great. I was just going to ask you what you thought of it, um, because I was a little surprised as well, considering, I mean... Obviously, Houston has not been a force to be reckoned with. They've been up and down. However, I feel like Cabrera's really given them something of an identity. And so I wonder, um, you know, he did sign a uh, contract extension last year. Why this was kind of the last straw, uh, playing against a Eastern Conference team that's at the top of the table. There must have been... They must have an idea of how to replace him,
0: um, but well, the, this it's... is this is why I was just thinking when we were talking about Joseph. It's like, well, sometimes the contract extensions end earlier than you think they might. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and uh, I definitely agree. His winning percentage is not that high uh, with with Houston in general. Um, with oh no, this can't be right. No, no, no. The number I'm looking at doesn't count the season, but it's when you look at the press release, they do say it was like two eleven and two eleven and one in fourteen games. Yeah, which is a pretty bad, which is a pretty bad look. Yeah. I think the coaches, you know, that is, uh, that is uh, something people, you know, results, it, it results. The end of the day, do talk as much as as putting stuff together and it was a four game losing streak, I guess, Mm -hmm. but it does feel like they have, he's been putting together something that has merit. I guess the idea is with, with Dynamo only six points out of the playoffs and, and, and four points left that they're, they may be able to try and rescue something out of this, but they, they didn't think that they could do it with Cabrera.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it, in some ways it, it was surprising, but I, I think maybe it is time for Houston to decide what it is they want to do with this, this team where they've been able to attract and keep some great players. Um, I just hope that they're not doing this at the right time or at the wrong time rather, and they've got a plan for how to continue because it's easy to say, well, look at the record and numbers speak for themselves, but if that's only true, if you can bring somebody in who can do better. And the fact well, that you they're, felt- you know, they're six points, pint- six maybe that too. They're six points short of that seventh playoff spot. I mean, they're they're in a really tight spot here where they need results. And I sort of go, do you not just give Cabrera the benefit of the doubt till the end of the season? Um, because you are sort of taking a gamble to tr- upset things at this point. But obviously, they felt there was a need for change.
0: After they bring in Ramir, Ramirez, I think that one of the issues that we've all often seen with this team is um, that they have all the pieces, but it's not consistent. Yeah. So maybe that is something where a magic can come in. I think either way, it is, it is is short-term thinking with mm-hmm. the idea that that we've brought in this, this great player. DeMarcus Beasley is not going to be around for that long. The pieces are here, and they could do better than, than what we're having, and, and, and we can maybe still rescue something out of this season. It remains to be seen whether or not that that, will, that short-term thinking will be effective.
1: For sure. You know, and I always thought that he, um, you know, he's been a, a great coaching presence in the league, so I, I feel like he's he's been a little hard done by here, um, but i agree like houston has put all the right pieces together and so maybe like new england they just need somebody to come in who can make those pieces work together
0: Uh, i loved if it doesn't work out
1: then uh yeah i guess we'll see
0: i loved seeing on the, the mls website today when i was looking for uh for other things that the after they've got this this piece in the featured stories that is like what would um, what would have happened if the uh, the MLS playoffs started today, and their number two training story is not that story, but actually just the playoff format story from December that explained how these, these playoffs actually work, <laughs> which is probably also motivated by Zlatan and his comments saying that he thinks the playoffs... I, I assume he was saying that he thinks the playoffs in general are stupid, which I disagree with. I like the playoffs. I think that they work for the U.S. and Canadian markets. Um, I think having two competitions is fine. I'm also fine with continuing to award the supporter shield. Um, yeah, and, and treat that as important. I think that that's perhaps there are slightly too many teams, but it's just unfortunate that the the conventional sixteen team per conference or the the conventional sixteen team playoff format without buys mm. is just too many teams for MLS. Mm-hmm. It's just not enough to, to accommodate that. Um, so they've got to come up with these ways. So, but if you're one of these people that's reading the December uh, playoff format article, here's a little refresher for you. It's a single elimination tournament with the top seven teams per conference qualifying. With the conference champions getting a bye from the first round, um, the year will be reseeding after the the top seed will host, and there will be reseeding after each round. So uh, the top seeds will continuously will continually uh, face the lower seeds. Um, regardless of of who advances in each round.
1: Oh. Okay, well, I will get my abacus polished off for when we reach the postseason, <laughs> trying <laughs> to figure out what the hell that meant. Sure. I mean, the, I guess the nice thing of being a white cap supporter at this time of year is we don't have to worry about it.
0: The long and... That's lo- uh, true. The long and short of the reseeding thing is... In the March Madness, it's like you're you, you're tracking who your your eventual opponents are on your on the little graph. You know, it's like if you beat if so, it's like you know you face the winners of Game forty five in the tournament yeah. or whatever else. Yeah. This is not how it will work. There is no there is no set who each team is playing next. It will be the teams that go through to the next round will then be reassigned by. Um, League position. Yeah. Um, the other big MLS news was that um, the Seattle owner Joe Roth, who is one of the founding owners of the MLS era, has left and will be replaced by 11 families from the area, which include um, Ciara and, Russ, and Seattle Seahawks star Russell Wilson, um, Macklemore, some Microsoft executives, Terry, Terry Meyerson. And, Obviously, uh, and this family, um, uh, and Adrian Hanauer, who who became was the owner of the team uh, in the USL era, um, and then sort of once it began MLS, Roth he kind of convinced Roth to and Paul Allen to become a part of it, and Roth, who's a film producer, was the majority shareholder until 2015. Um, when when Hanauer he handled he handed those reins back to Hanauer. Hanauer receives a little bit more control, um, and so I guess kind of it's now like a four-way thing between Hanauer, Carey, the Paul Allen Family Trust after Allen passed away, and uh, Drew Carey. That is, if you didn't know that Drew Carey owned, owned the Sanders. This is a that's a fun fact, um, and uh, uh, and the eleven teams, including Macklemore, which is where my comment at the top of the show about being able to find an MLS team in the thrift shop comes from.
1: Yeah. Uh, th- what really bothered me about this was just that there were, like, we get push notifications all the time. I'm, I'm assuming you do, about MLS news stories. And, you know, there's this news conference thing and I'm like, uh, something's going on, like, you know, maybe can you announce a signing for next season? And I'm sitting listening to it for like eight minutes and I'm like, this is about some ownership or sponsorship deal, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's literally news that nobody really cares about, but we're supposed to all be like, well, it's ushering in a new era of soccer, the title of Seattle, and ensuring a legacy, and you're just like, oh. No, I thought it was, like, actual news, like something was happening, but...
0: Something important. Yeah. Um. In, N- in NWSL action, um, you had... Uh, the uh Utah went in, into Seattle and beat the Rain three nothing. Um the uh you had Chicago go to Washington and get a one nothing win. I thought it was three um, one that game. Or maybe it was three maybe rain was three one. I think you're right. I wrote down wrong. Uh yes. Yes, you're quite correct. Um but Utah take the Utah, Utah took the the lead. Um Yuki Nagasato with the the sole goal for the Red Stars. Um you had uh Houston uh Houston got a one nothing win away in Orlando where <laughs> um mm, Orlando's already on a red. Um and they have uh and it's a 0-0 game. Um after if the red card came from uh um from Sam Mewis' is hauled down on the end of the box, but it's mm-hmm. the edge of the box, so it's a it's a free kick. They don't give a penalty, but they give a red card instead, and the free kick goes nowhere. Um The Kailia O'Hi is pushed down on the ball for a red card, and Marta for some reason is so mad that she barges up to the penalty taker as she's about to take it and shoves her over and is sent right off for that one.
1: So I didn't see this and I'm just now <laughs> looking at it. Uh... <laughs> it's so good. It's just like oh man.
0: Uh but the the game of the week really was um Portland versus North Carolina. Um which was it uh, a, a home a, a rematch of the NWSL final in that same venue? Although it's the the uh, the I guess it was also the flashier one before as well, um, but they they set the NWSL attendance record for this game with twenty five thousand two hundred eighteen fans, um, and Portland received a little bit of uh, Portland received a little bit of revenge after losing the NWSL final. Um, especially because both of the goals came from uh, both of the goals came from ongles oh. so that's always fun when that happens um, the uh, North Carolina got the first goal uh, through Crystal Dunn um, after Portland didn't do enough to clear the uh, clear the ball uh, the thorns got a wacky one where Steph LeBay uh, jumped up to to catch a ball coming in but I think somebody, one of her own defenders bumps her arm, and so it knocks, but pops it out of her hands and into the goal. Uh, and then eventually, um, lots of big saves from Adriana French as well in this game. And then the second ball is a, a Christine Sinclair ball is intercepted by a defender, but it bounces, it bounces off of Abby Ursag and into the goal for uh, for the own goal, but. Both won, both chances caused by what won the game for Portland, which was um, like a really great focus on attack, and, and they weren't shut down like they were by um, North Carolina in the final last year, and they were also able to, um, I think, hold off, and, and they, some of them were some pretty near misses, but they were able to prevent North Carolina from taking all their chances.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But a great game. A great game between two teams that have a history, and uh, two teams we may see playing each other again sometime in the playoffs. We could say
1: it could happen.
0: Um, in the Canadian Championship action, they had the the first round of those games. and in, in the second round, will be tomorrow. Toronto with a pretty um, pretty comprehensive two two nothing win away in in Ottawa. Two eight giveaways. Um, Ottawa didn't really take his chances. Uh, Drew Morris scored what really looked to me to be like a bicycle goal, kick hmm. goal from the center def- from the uh, central defender, or which is is always funny to see to me. Although on 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 slow motion, it may just be he's falling, but it certainly looked like it was a, it was an attempt <laughs> at an overhead kick. Oh, um, God.
1: If only I could be so lucky.
0: That goes in. Um, Montreal Cavalry was an interesting game that uh, that took place in Montreal. Uh, the first thing that happens in the game is is cavalry is the is the top team in the league. Um, Pesquati comes to the his first thing that he does is he runs to the line and he cuts back to his attacker who just can't get on it. But he's watched he's clearly watching his MLS games because that's how everybody else scores in MLS <laughs> is running the ball at the end line and cutting into the middle. Um, but the, the the had he watched more MLS games he would have known that you can't give. You can't uh, – had the, the defender who sent a back pass into the path of Ignacio Piatti on 31 minutes. Um, had they done their research, they would have known you can't do that. And he, uh, and, and he scores. Ultimately, this was a game where, where Calgary is great, and, and they played with intent. But there's just so much – when you're talking about levels, there's just so much quality on Montreal mm-hmm. um, that, that individually – that you just can't, you just can't give them the time and space that they did, and and um, what was it? It was I think it ends I think it ends two one, so cavalry get their, um cavalry get away goal and and you could almost consider it to be a pretty, uh a pretty perfect result, except that uh, Nick Ledgerwood got sent off their captain um, with two yellow cards, so, uh not not wonderful for them, yeah. Uh, and what else happened? Halifax. Uh, Canadian Premier League had uh, uh, Halifax 0-0 draw with Calvary. Um, and both teams, this is an interesting thing, I guess, probably that comes out of their their uh, their partnership with U Sports. The players they drafted in the U Sports draft, including Halifax's, um, I don't know if he's always the captain or if he's just considered a star. He, he captained some games, I think. Peter Shaw. Um, the German defender is going back to Cape Breton University, uh, and Cavalry is also losing a player to university as well, which is not something we usually say of the Canadian university system. That, that people, but I guess that's, I guess that's just how they. The I I would I would think that you would maybe have economically some way where it doesn't have to be like that, but um, but they uh, in fact. They will be returning, so this was the last game for Shaw. Um, and the Halifax were very able to hold in Cavalry um, in, up to and including uh, Christian Oxner saving a penalty kick, um, but they weren't able to get anything off of them. Uh, Valor won their first game since June two, June second, beating York Nine uh, two nothing. Marco Bustos ran his uh, rear end off all game and 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 finally. Uh, uh I think he did get one. That's um,
1: where Bustos ended up.
0: That's true. And and the the final goal to seal it is an amazing goal from uh Patrasso. Hm. Michael Patrasso yeah. looks so good. Um and old, and FC Ebbington got a three one win with a lot of pressure. They they had a lot of pressure at first, um, but eventually Easton Ongaro got two uh, two goals, and, and they, they didn't get frustrated. They pushed on, and they beat Pacific, 3-1. Yeah,
1: man, Pacific just can't, uh,
0: <laughs> can't <laughs> seem to find it
1: these days. Oh, well.
0: Oh, well. Until next week, where can we find you online?
1: You can find me online having early morning delightful conversations with fans at That's So MLS on Twitter and Instagram. And actually, I have been having some really fun conversations, including with a Seattle Sounder fan. So who knew? Uh, nice. Where can we find you online?
0: You can find me online at Team Bates, batescom I am an editor for Howler Magazine, went dot com, And you can find this show at That's and wherever you find other podcasts, Please rate, review, and subscribe.
1: Do those things. And until next week.
0: Don't. If your team is already on a red card, <laughs> don't shove over the bounty. <laughs> 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 Come on, Marta.